2: Hey, this is
3: Brian Alvarez, and this is today's edition of the Wrestling Observer Daily Podcast on the
2: 8-Side Network. Are you
4: ready? Are you ready? Let's
2: get it on! Let's get it on, we will. Mike Semper VV, here with you for the next hour, talking professional wrestling and mixed martial arts. Don't worry about that echo you heard in the background. That, that doesn't really exist. <laughs> but, even though we make... Mistakes here sometimes, audio-wise. We are here with you every single day on the Sports Pipeline Broadcasting Network. And however you're joining me today, tune in, iHeart, American Forces Radio, over the area affiliates like the Mightier 1090 Sirius XM 156 podcast, streaming video on Twitch or on YouTube. I'd just like to say thank you for spending a little bit of time with me today. Once again, as you already know, Brian Alvarez out on the ocean With Oreo and his family, enjoying some time away from all of this nonsense that's got to do with professional wrestling. And as a result, for all of you ASMR kids out there, I get to bring back this for you. You ready? Quiet down. There you go. Now you can get excited. You can also get excited over the fact that one more time, joining me today as the co-host on this program, your New Japan Strong Openweight Champion, Filthy Tom Lawler is going to be here. You can find him on Twitter, at Filthy Tom Lawler. You can find me, at Sempervivi. And you can find this show, at WONF4W, the broadcaster, at Sports Byline USA. And we're going to have plenty to get into today. Raw was last night. Now, I don't know if Filthy has been reviewing old Brian Alvarez shows on Tuesdays of this show to, to try to gather up the same type of Of energy that Brian has to to study his technique when he goes deep in and and bitches and moans and and, and cuts these big rants on Raw? Hopefully he has, because I don't have that sort of thing. It actually really wasn't all that bad of a show last night. The worst thing I can say about that show was it was three hours long. But there were some good moments to it. There were some very questionable and confusing moments as well, sometimes in the very same segment, but we'll get all into that. Plenty of other things taking place as well, too, across the the wrestling landscape that we're going to get into. The road to New Japan and the Tokyo Dome is well on its way, and we're going to get into that, too, as well as many other things, possibly your phone calls. I would tend to doubt it, but maybe... If so, we'll open those up for you. I'll give you that, and we'll be back. Rusty Observer
4: Live. You need an accurate thermometer to check for fever, a potential sign of flu or COVID. Be vigilant and contact your medical provider at the first sign of fever. Exergen Temporal Scanner Thermometer has been proven accurate in more than 100 clinical studies. Exergen Temporal Scanners are available at Walmart and other fine retailers. Learn more at exergen.com. That's E-X-E-R-G-E-N dot com. Exergen is changing the way the world takes temperature.
3: Do you own an annuity? Either fixed rate, indexed, or variable? Are you paying high fees and getting low returns? If so, Annuity General would like you to have this free book to learn the pitfalls and mistakes of buying an annuity. The Annuity Do's and Don'ts for Baby Boomers contains the little-known truths about annuities that's 800-760-1845.
1: You are
2: listening to Wrestling Observer Live with Brian Alvarez and Mike Sempervivi on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. Back on the show, Wrestling Observer Live, Mike Semper VV here with you, sitting in the big boy, host and chair for Brian Alvarez this week. Filling in my spot, somebody who can do that far better than I can, Filthy Tom Lawler once again back on the show today. Filthy, what's going on?
4: Thanks for the introduction, Mike. You can blame that very early audio mishap on myself, your co-host, but although you're not going to do that because we, unlike your usual co-host, you and I get along. Uh, but you can blame that on me as I am not used to these terrestrial airwaves, I should say. I'm more used to the extraterrestrial side of the radio airwaves on Figure 4 Daily. But thank you once again. I'm here on Wrestling Observer Live. The flagship, the mothership of the Empire. Absolutely. You know, and we're going to get into
2: Raw last night. I do have a, a drop from from yesterday's show that we may be playing uh, a little bit later on uh it was from uh from raw and it was uh believe it or not maurice talking about her husband and how obnoxious he is and i tell you what i don't know if we'll play it or not but they were it sounded very familiar it kind of sounded like what it was like what it is like doing a show with brian alvarez so that's maybe maybe we'll go ahead and play that but we do have raw to get into but before we do that there are some other things taking place inside the world of wrestling not the least of which is new japan who at home in japan they are readying themselves for three days of the wrestle kingdom experience two at the tokyo dome one facing off against noah but, but uh, Tom, they did actually announce yesterday that Sunday, March 20th, St. Petersburg, Florida, the greater Tampa area, tickets are going to go on sale January 3rd for New Japan Strong Style Evolved. No talent has been announced on the show yet, but going back to Florida, eh? When's the last time you were there stomping around?
4: I haven't been there in a few years. Actually, the last time I was there was, without to kill kayfabe too much, it was Filthy Island, actually. Uh, So whenever that was, a year or two ago. Um, There has been no talent announced, but it's, what, fighting, what is it, fighting spirit, strong style evolved? But they keep mentioning someone being unchained, fighting spirit unchained which the only unchained man I can think of is Makabe, mm. the unchained gorilla, who mm. has not been over here in a long time. But I don't know if there that's a reference to something. I don't know if... Maybe are the chains going to be off that gigantic beast Jonah by then? Who knows what, what it's a reference to? And as strong as already been announced to
2: be returning to the vermont hollywood and la in february as well too for a a strong taping new Japan strong rivals that's going to take place on thursday february 17th uh you obviously as champion of the entire darn thing and the greatest man they have going there is going to be on that show the man you just vanquished fred rosser also there jay white juice robinson david finley as well as others but We've seen Tomohiro Shi'i come over. Obviously, Shibata has been over here doing what he does. We've had Minoru Suzuki come over on excursions. We have had a handful of guys come over. You brought up Makabe's name, and obviously for men of our age, people that have been watching New Japan for a a few generations now of young talent that has gone through there, Makabe we have watched basically come up as a a skinny guy named Shinya, and then develop into what became the IWGP Heavyweight Champion. And he certainly has got a following and a style, and uh, he's a guy that a lot of American fans really appreciate. He was one of the big guys coming up with, you know, Tanahashi and Nakamura and guys at that time. You know, Shinya Makabe, Togi Makabe was always right there. Have you ever had any? You know, what have your interactions, if you've had any, been with him? And who would you like to see come over here? You know, not only Makabe, but some other names that you may want to see come over here that you'd like to roll around with and learn something from.
4: I've had zero interaction with Makabe, aside from watching him dump people on their heads with spider German suplexes and then King Kong knee drops. Uh, But that's a guy that I would like to see come over here. I think uh, that's somebody who the American fans would appreciate as uh, having some sort of legendary status. He's a former IWGP heavyweight champion. Uh, I, myself, would love to wrestle Zack Sabre Jr., obviously. And now that Shibata is back, in the ring, seemingly. Uh, that is undoubtedly somebody that I would like to get my hands on. Uh, I would have liked to fight Shibata back in his dream days. Uh, Big mouth so loud days? Kind of, kind of his mixed martial arts days. Uh, so this is kind of a a fight 15 years in the making, the way I look at it did you Uh,
2: ever did you care that remember that because look there for a lot of people really they don't understand you know the the, chono and hashimoto and, and muda you know people think about those guys together but a lot of american fans really don't understand like how big hashimoto was in relation to chono and muda in japan and when it comes to katsuyori shibata he was one of the three musketeers alongside Nakamura and Tanahashi, but because of the landscape of Japanese wrestling, because of what Shibata wanted to do, both shoot style and, you know, it fights, you know, real actual MMA fights, you know, he obviously left the nest and decided to go with what, Uai Station and, and try to do Big Mouth Loud and try to do some other things. What did you think about shibata then obviously being involved in mixed martial arts being involved in wrestling and and starting your fight career were you able to keep track of him and then and were promotions like that something that were on your radar you know other or was it just pretty much rings and things like that and you didn't worry about those other groups
4: well i mean by then rings had kind of fallen you know largely by the wayside most of the good talent that rings had like Fedor and Minotauro, who they had kind of developed through the King of Kings tournaments, had moved on to Pride. Um, but yeah, I was well aware of what was going on in New Japan at the time. Uh, I was well aware of what was looked to be a huge future, a huge push for Shibata. And then, you know, the kind of the turn that his career took, um, to me, I looked at it at that time as a huge risk obviously you know uh his status um and it, you know his father's status in new japan previously kind of helped elevate him you know right off the bat to a certain a certain uh level and that kind of carried on into mma cuz he had some big fights right off the bat if i remember correctly who did knock out uh, yamamoto very quickly yamamoto may have been yeah yeah so uh he was given you know some good opportunities right off the bat and um you know i think that both new japan at the time and you know later on dream uh tried really you know kind of to give him these opportunities and um it's interesting the way obviously that it ended up turning out and this story is far far from done seemingly you know everybody thought that this book was closed and instead it's just a chapter that ended and now Shibata is back so uh he's overcome I guess adversity in a lot of ways uh throughout his career and I don't think this is going to be any different you know a a lot of fans looked at him he's a different style and coming back to kind of what new japan had done uh he had to earn his way back into their good graces and he's definitely done that he has and i want
2: you to ponder something as we go to break how do you bring shibata back what should his match be should there be any limitations who should he face that's what i want to know from filthy tom lawler when we get back on this edition of wrestling observer live Welcome back to the show. Mike Semper Vivi here with you. Filthy Tom Lawler. Completely professional radio here today. Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. Wrestling Observer Live. Tom, I put you in an enviable position before the break. Having you call out what match Shibata-san should be in. Should there be differing rules like he had against Zack Sabre Jr. Just grappling only. He says his head is ready. What do you do? If it was up to you, and it can't be you, because I know that's who you would take. If it was up to you, what do you do with with a Ketsuyori Shibata? Or or do you even try to do anything with Shibata, or just let him go out there and do what he wants?
4: Well, I don't really have much inside information, despite being the reigning, defending New Japan strong, openweight champion of the world. Six defenses. Uh, But including the title win which over Brody King, so like seven wins in title matches. But who's counting? Uh, It appears to me that on the first night when Shibata is stepping back into the ring, Suzuki does not have a matchup. So it has been theorized that it will be Minoru Suzuki against Shibata, which who in their right mind would turn that down? But I actually would go in a different direction And I would pick someone a little bit closer to home, I guess I would say. Uh, Someone who has assumed the form of Shibata in many ways. And I would have Ren Narita step in against or Shibata. as It is kind of clear, if you follow New Japan, that he is set up to be the at least spiritual successor of Shibata in many ways. Sounds like a great idea.
2: Sounds like a fantastic idea. Now, again, you're not in a position to kind of – is there any – actually, you know what? Yes, I will press you. What is there – are there any tidbits that you can give people as far as Shabbat goes? Because he has talked about the fact that, you know what, my head has – you know, My skull healed. It is stronger than ever. Yes, there are concerns about me taking punches. That's why I was not in there with Zach Saber Jr. doing that. But from what you have seen of Shibata, as hard as he works, I mean, does it look like there's any limitations to him at all? And obviously we can't see inside of his head. We're not neurologists or any of that sort of thing. But when you see him training, is there any pause? Is there any thought that this person is not you know turning back time and is just the super athlete that he always was
4: i mean you have to take what i'm going to say with uh, you know a grain of salt because i've been around shibata on and off you know at shows and stuff for a few years now and i did have the fortune of going to the dojo but it's not as if i'm there all the time uh i you know when I was there and everybody was training, he was in the ring training. He was doing everything that the other wrestlers were doing. He went through the training session, then he lifted weights afterwards, just as hard as everybody else was. And when you see the guy, he's in phenomenal shape. He's in you know, just as good a shape as any of the other guys that are in that dojo. So I don't think that he's going to show much in the way of slowing down or signs of slowing down. I think it's going to be uh, similar to what we kind of saw against Zack Sabre Jr. Perhaps his style is a little bit more tailored to grappling and a little bit less based upon very hard strikes. But I can't say that with any sort of certainty. I mean, <laughs> if you've watched about <laughs> his career I do I think you could say that with any sort of certainty. So um, it'll be, it'll be wild to see, but I'm looking forward to, you know, either just being an innocent bystander and watching him come back and, uh, apply his craft, or if I have the opportunity to get in there and fight him, like I said, obviously I'd love to.
2: Did you ever think that for a guy that did like rings for a guy that did like amateur wrestling for a guy that loves Matt work, appreciates that understands these transitions, understands all of that sort of stuff and loves this. Did you ever think that we would see in America kind of where we're at right now in the landscape? Because I know I didn't when it came to guys like Lee Moriarty, Jonathan Gresham, Fred Yehai, you know, Josh Alexander, men like this that for so long you know, I never thought would really truly get their due. They seem to be getting their due now. And it's because of Men Like You. It's because of promotions like New Japan Strong. It's because of just seemingly a... I don't know what it is. I never thought that that this would make it to the level where we're at, where, like, legitimate, real pro wrestling that makes sense and is still entertaining, you know, is at the forefront. And it's it's almost amazing. And I take a, a big l on that because i never thought that we would be able to to talk about it and appreciate it in the way that we are did you ever have any of those concerns did you ever care about any of that sort of stuff or did you just always know you were going to do your thing and the rest of the world was going to catch up
4: i think that we can give a lot of the credit to the rise of mixed martial arts i mean it's very (laughs) very simple well, because remember, mixed martial
2: it. arts was going to kill everything. That's what everybody, you know, everybody in yeah, every the interview would start with. Well, if, if if MMA was around when you started, what would you be doing? I mean, it Mike, seemed like everything was starting like that for a think while. Think about
4: little simple things like the strikes that we see now in American wrestling compared to the strikes that we saw before the rise of mixed martial arts. Think about the inventing, inventing, I don't know if that's even the correct term, but the invention of, of tapping out what was it before you cry uncle you'd be screaming guys would be beating the mat repeatedly and that just that simple you know change in the rule set added a whole new dynamic to it and made it more of a you know really more of a sporting uh contest but it allows people to work differently when they're in submission holes as opposed to before and it added a, a level of drama that wasn't there before um, I, myself, loved, loved, loved the WCW Cruiserweight division. You wouldn't know it if you watched me wrestle, but I absolutely loved it because it was something different. And you know who my favorite guy was in that Cruiserweight division when I first saw it, Mike? It was Dean Malenko. Malenko, yes. Because he, not only was he doing something in... Not only just by being in the cruiserweight division was he doing something different, but he was doing something different than all of the other cruiserweights were doing. And he was doing mat wrestling. And he was doing submissions. And it, it they were dynamic. They were, you know, similar to moves that the heavyweights were doing. But, you know, they were just – he was just that much better than everybody else. He was just that much more fluid. And r- wrestlers like that, um, you know, I think that's kind of timeless – Bret Hart, right? Look at the quote that Bret Hart just had. He said, guys don't wrestle like Hulk Hogan anymore. They wrestle like Bret Hart. Hallelujah.
2: Hallelujah. Absolutely right. And, you know, we're seeing more and more promotions, Papa. I just saw the deal with Jonathan Gresham. And, uh, you know, starting up his promotion of uh, Terminus, you know, w- mm. with Baron Black. And now it's going to be lethal and more yardy. It's like that's going to debut their first show that's going to be taking place in Atlanta in, in January and also announced for that show. You know, we've got, uh, you know, Gira, uh, Kira Hogan is going to face Jordan Grace, but, you know, they've already announced. Uh, Alex Coglin's going to be there. Daniel Garcia is going to be there. Freddie Ayhi is going to be there. Tracy Williams is going to be here. Here's another guy that that obviously fits into that as well too. And like you, for me, Dean Malenko, he was a you know. a a huge revelation for me. You know, you saw the name, but I didn't have access to all Japan tapes. I didn't see small Indies where Joe and Dean Malenko were on. So to see Dean Malenko, the first time you saw him, at least for me, doing what he was doing in the ring and being able to work with everybody, whether it was Ultimo dragon, where it was whoventude, whether it was Benoit or Jericho or whoever, he was great. And the crazy part is it may kind of sound like a joke, But Adam and uh, Summers and I talk about this when it comes up on the Big Audio Nightmare. It's like Dean Malenko was over. Like Dean Malenko got over with that WCW crowd by being a wrestler and by being who he was. And yes, he was a great foil for these high-flying characters and some of these cool personalities like the Jerichos and the Mysterios. You know, he was a perfect foil for those type of guys. But he was outstanding and got over because of his work. And I don't think people really give him enough credit for that at a time where, I mean, it was really difficult in the land of the Giants. And in a land where on both sides of the ledger, he had that going on. He had ECW. It was very hard to stand out.
4: Didn't Dean did Malenko win the PWI 500?
2: In 97. In one and people, spot, yeah. right? Yes. And people thought I mean, it was crazy, but it's like he's the best wrestler, Period.
4: Yeah, and, and I think that, I mean, if you watch him, you could transport him into today's wrestling, and he wouldn't skip a beat at all. Uh, and, and you know, to go back to your earlier question, I just kind of always thought that that's what wrestling should be like, and it's, you know, refreshing to kind of see professional wrestling where people are trying to win a sporting contest coming back to the forefront.
2: You think professional wrestling should be more about that or more about attacking people with several camera
4: angles when you break into their dojo? <laughs> and having doppelgangers. Hey, I'm all about Red Narita being the Shibata doppelganger. Uh, so perhaps I, sh- I should be careful what I wish for because you're referencing Becky Lynch having a fake Becky Lynch waiting, expecting Liv Morgan to unexpectedly attack her at the yeah, dojo folks, unbelievable
2: we we made it about 35 minutes but it's time we're gonna have to get into this raw show which look that was a great example of the segment where there were some really high highs and some unfortunate lows and something they got to work out here <laughs> but we'll get into all of that sort of stuff as well as some other news as well when we get back from break filthy tom lawler mike semper VV, wrestling observer live Back on the show, Mike Semper, BB, Filthy, Tom Lawler, Wrestling Observer Live. Sensors getting nervous right there. West Side Gun to begin things here. We actually have, have two producers right now in the studio. There's actually four because Jared's doing the video and Tony is making sure that Jared is is not going to let anything out over the air that's going to make Brian angry. And then in the studio we have both uh, both Brian and. Uh, And uh, Dom in there, so just in case, anything.
4: Daniel, (laughs) what did I say? Brian. I think producer Rob is probably just at Brian's house (laughs) anyway.
2: He's just hanging out outside waiting for Brian (laughs) to let him back in. Daniel, I apologize, but, you know, if you've heard this show and you've surely been paying attention to it, eh, there's really no excuse for me. So, hey, Monday Night Raw was last night. No excuse for this either of why we have waited this long to talk about other than I just didn't really want to talk about it for the whole show, but at least to be the uh, main chair on a Raw review, it could have been a lot worse for me. I did not think this was a bad show. I think, honestly, the worst thing you can say about this show was it was three hours long, and if it was two hours long, it would have been a hell of a lot tighter, but I did like some of the stories that they were telling uh, throughout the thing. Although in the land of WWE, whether you are babyface partners with each other or whether you are heels, you are not going to like the person you are standing next to or traveling with or anything else as we have seen some seeds of discontent uh, now get dropped between Bobby Lashley and MVP so we can add them to the pile of, of people who don't trust each other inside WWE but I guess as that's taking place filthy uh, Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins are starting to fortify their relationship a little bit more as they all lead into going into day one to face off for Big E's World Heavyweight Championship and that's how this show started and that's how it ended.
4: Yes, Mike, against all odds, it appears that Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins can indeed coexist. As you mentioned, they fortified their relationship uh, despite losing in the main event in kind of embarrassing fashion. Bobby Lashley just, he was teaming with Big E, but he basically beat up both of the guys. He, he ran through Big E uh, with a spear, he then ran through Kevin Owens. With a spear and won the match essentially single handedly. Uh, but afterwards, Seth Rollins and Big E, or I'm sorry, Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens uh, were able to lay out both Big E and Lashley with the steel steps. Uh, you mentioned earlier seeds of discontent between Bobby Lashley and MVP, and that was what opened up the show and led to the main event, which I just mentioned um and was you know kind of alluded to throughout the show as lashley threw mvp to the wolves in the opening segment or you know big e yeah
2: that was that was a, a interesting way that the show opened because lashley and mvp come out and obviously they are back together now that mvp is was coming off of injury they put them back together again and MVP was out there. He was basically overselling Bobby's accomplishments of facing off against everybody last week compared facing Kevin Owens, Seth Rollins, and Big E to running and winning the Boston Marathon, scoring a triple double in the NBA Finals, and then going five rounds with Francis Nganu and then knocking him out. What in the, in the post fight press conference? (laughs) Like, how does that work exactly? But
4: well, if they went through a draw. I believe that the, they could then go to the extra round,
2: <laughs> as if they, as if they're in the. Uh, is that how it worked in the? Uh, the wasn't that Ultimate Fighter? That's how that one worked. Would you know anything about that show and how that works?
4: Oh, well, that's how it worked in the elimination fight between Demetrius Johnson and Ian McCall, like ten years ago for the flyweight title when they had a draw and were supposed to go to the extra round and the judges screwed up on the adding the scorecards and instead gave the decision to mighty mouse on the spot and they had to go back and declare it a draw so it
2: is amazing how many times that has happened in boxing and mixed martial arts over the years and how nobody gets strung up or beaten or sued or anything for that it's just amazing but that's a different story for a different day but biggie of course at that point comes out says hats off and cheese curds to you i'm still I mean, it's Milwaukee. I mean, I know it's a lot of cheese and everything, but, like, Wisconsin? Wouldn't that be kind of where you'd want to use that joke? Maybe he was just really hungry for Poutine. I don't know what exactly it was. But Big E called MVP Iceberg Slim, tried to dog him for hitting him in the knee uh, with the cane last week. And Lashley grabbed the mic and said, well, you know, he he did hit you with the cane, but I I didn't need him to do that. And, in fact... You know, I don't need him at all. I can beat you myself, and and MVP can beat you, too, because that's what he said. So, P, why don't you get in there with your cane, and why don't you face off against Bobby Lashley? And as he does that, or uh, face off against Big E, as Lashley says that, he leaves the ring. He backs up. The camera's at his back. MVP's got the cane. He's feeling good about himself. And then probably the highlight comedy point of the night for me is when Seth Rollins in a like yellow and brown plaid suit, out of nowhere, Screen Right comes diving out and jumps on Bobby Lashley's back with Kevin Owens right behind him. They start beating him down. Uh, Big E comes out to try to help. He gets into it with everybody, too. Everybody starts fighting. Lashley Big East, and Biggie send the other two packing. That's how the segment closes and ultimately that's what sets up the tag match main event. From there, we got a Bianca promo before her match against Dewdrop. She's the EST and she's going to end this thing between the two of them. So that took place back from a break. Owens and Rollins, they argue Mike, back. Yes.
4: You know what was left off of the Hulu version that I watched? What's that? Bianca and Dewdrop. Are you serious? Mm-hmm. Ooh. Out of all the things. Because I did see that finish. I, I should have thought about that. I saw the finish, which was hot, and I would have loved to see the rest of the match because the crowd was up on their feet going yeah. crazy wow. for the KOD.
2: <laughs> that was the hot... I mean... Uh, so, okay, so after she cuts that promo, Owens and Rollins are arguing backstage. This is when Adam Pearce and Sonny hear him and they say, we're going to make the biggest tag match in Raw history. All the people that have been on Raw. But this this is going to be one of the biggest matches in history. So they make the match for later on. Owens and Rollins aren't happy about that. But then we go to the ring for that Bianca belair do-drop match, which went about 12 minutes. It went through a commercial break, and... <laughs> Those two are not Bailey and Sasha together, but they work really well with each other and can accent each other really, really well. And the spot that I thought everybody had seen that they would want to show off was Dewdrop had missed a splash off the second rope. And then Bianca picked her up, hoisted her up on her shoulders, walked her into the middle of the ring. And delivered the KOD. And as soon as she started getting her off on her shoulders and started to move, the fans started getting to their feet. They started to pop. This was not just the overlay of audio that WWE will put over something, that the track of the fans cheering. You can actually see fans getting up, throwing their hands in the air and cheering as she hits this KOD. Crazy impressive finish that everybody was into, and they got the pin. I cannot believe actually they left that off. That's insane.
4: Yeah, I mean, it could have been user error on my part, but I don't remember seeing it. As <laughs> see, I, see, it. Well, I, I did you remember double, seeing you Austin Theory. hit fast
2: forward, go back.
4: So, <laughs> I did remember seeing Austin Theory, you know, theorize that Vince McMahon's love of him is because of all these great selfies that he's taken so far.
2: He, yeah, he he was in there next against Finn Balor, and this was another one that went through one of the uh, the commercial breaks, and ultimately Theory hit a. I'll say this: he hit a really sweet uh, seated springboard Spanish fly on Finn Balor, uh, and then <laughs> tried to take a selfie uh, as he pinned him, which led to a reversal and a two-count for Balor. Balor then reversed the TKO, hit a shotgun dropkick, and then to coup de grace for the victory in about nine minutes. And even though Finn Balor got his shine, got to celebrate at the end, it was very much uh, noted that Austin Theory had screwed up again. And there's a point a little bit later on where he's about to go into Vince McMahon's office but he's disappointed, and he he decides he's not going to do that. So that's where we get that. Then we get a we get a, a video package uh, from Miz TV last week where Miz thanked Omos uh, uh, for. We see that, and then we see Miz thanking Omos for talking to him. Aj Omos. Styles, Omos, Aj Styles walks up and. And uh, he's very excited about his future with Omos, but uh, Omos still seems to be acting a little bit shady towards AJ. Uh, Miz is just happy because he wants something that's going to be better than his wife uh, on the cutting edge. So long story short, Miz got in a dig against Urban Meyer, but AJ was praising Omos. Miz basically cuts Omos's promo for him, or Omos's promo for him, that he can't cut, basically saying that, you know, AJ is, is kind of in his way. And he's he's holding him back, and he's he's holding him down. And when Styles went to question Omos, for some reason, the Mysterio's music hits. And they come out. Why? If these two guys who you're about to have a match with are about to kill each other, why did you decide to come out then? And if you did, why didn't you just come out with some popcorn, as if you were the Street prophets to, to see what happened? Didn't really get that there, Tom.
4: Well... I will give the Mysterio's a benefit of the doubt because perhaps if they had waited for Omas who you almost said Omas, but you said Omos <laughs> <laughs> If they had waited for Omas to beat up AJ, perhaps they wouldn't have had a match in the first place. So they at least waited until omas was almost at his wits end to then come out which led to them picking up the win when aj almost tagged in omas but omas refused the tag and he was aj was rolled up by Rey mysterio and then omas Laid out AJ Styles after the match and said the next time he sees him, it'll be in a match, which I, Mike, I seriously can wait for that because I do not want to see AJ Styles (laughs) lose to Omas and I have a feeling that's exactly where this is headed
2: hey you won't be waiting very long brother man it's going to be next week and one thing they noted during this match was AJ Styles is getting played out online by Grayson Waller of NXT 2.0 and AJ is going to show up there tonight to face off against Grayson Waller I have a feeling that Omos is going to be there too and maybe Styles and Omas can can work on some things uh before their match coming up next week as you noted Omas walked away from him threw down the microphone on him called him a trash ass and and that was that he was out of there we at least got one great still shot of his face uh also as we're, we're getting close on time here to randy Orton defeated chad gable went about three minutes otis went after randy orton somehow evaded three orton rkos how did that happen it's because he's got no neck which bled to the line no neck No wreck. So if you're going to see a new t shirt from Gable and Otis, it's probably going to look like that. One of the key things that happened here too is MVP questioned Lashley in the locker room about, you know, Hey, man, were you going to help me out? You know, in that deal with Lashley, we me with the cane and everything, and Lashley blew him off. And that was notable, and that's going to be a storyline that's going to continue on as we keep going uh, with this feud. Damian Priest counted out against Dolph Ziggler, beat up Bobby Roode on the floor. That sets up Damian Priest and Dolph Ziggler next week as well, too. Veer Mahan is still coming to Raw. Rhea Ripley with a quick win over Queen Zelina. And then when we get back in the short little segment, we will get Tom's thoughts on Liv Morgan and Becky Lynch. And all how all that went down. We'll be back. Wrestling Observer Live. Now her voice sounded good over that beat there. So look, Liv Morgan, everybody has seen this thing by now. Liv Morgan went to the Black and Brave Academy, uh, supposedly thought uh, she was attacking Becky Lynch, but apparently it was a doppelganger. This was one of those things where, Tom, great concept. I like what they did. I like doing something like that out of the ordinary, but they had to make it to WWE where they had multiple camera angles and things that didn't make any sense, and I thought they got too cute with it. And... They're letting Liv Morgan talk way too much with too much verbiage written out for her. What'd you think about that? What do you think about her and Becky Lynch?
4: Well, I thought after viewing this segment that everyone else in this promotion is playing checkers. And these two these two are playing chess at the level of Kasparov and Deep Blue. <laughs> Becky Lynch set Liv Morgan up to attack her unexpectedly and had a doppelganger in the ring waiting. And then Liv Morgan, like magically appears inside the ring and none of the trainees saw her or stopped her. This was just too much for me. Uh, I like you said, I like stuff that's outside the box, but Hey, it's Christmas season. Maybe this one should go back in the box underneath the tree. Hey, I like watching both of them in the ring. I think Becky Lynch is an awesome promo, one of the best promos in wrestling, but this just didn't do it for me.
2: It it, it was too cute. I, I still like it because I like who invo- who's involved. I think Liv Morgan can be a star. I think she's somebody people can really get behind, but the problem is, stop with the long promo. Stop giving her so much. Give her what she can do. Let her be a little more on her own, and let Becky take care of the rest of it, because she can certainly carry the rest of that load. And thank God I had some handles on my back today for Filthy Tom Lawler to carry my ass, Tom. You done for this week or what, man?
4: Mike, we'll see. I'm just going to let everybody know Liv Morgan, Becky Lynch, believe in yourself. You Talk too. Talk to Mike. you again,
2: everybody, <laughs> after a while.